Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit galas and signature events to showcase how they positively transform their communities. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I am beyond excited to talk with one of my favorite people in Texas, and that is Joyce Goss. And for those of you who do not know Joyce, she is probably my textbook picture definition of what it means to be a really wide impacting fundraiser. And the reason I say that is Joyce has given so much to so many different causes, but so many different types of causes, whether it's art, whether it's children, whether it's medical. And, you know, there really is, there there are very few people that have just the breadth of expertise that Joyce does. And that's why we have her on as a guest today to lend to her expertise. And one of the reasons we're talking with her today is she has, um, she is the honorary chair coming up for an, a wonderful event celebrating its 10th anniversary, and that is Reunite for the Family Place. Joyce, thank you for being here. It is an honor to talk with you today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's great to to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I, you know, you, you've supported so many causes over the years, like I just said. So tell us a little bit about how you initially became involved with the Family Place. Well, I'd heard of the Family Place because of their signature fundraising event, which is Partners Card. And they just celebrated their 30th anniversary of Partners Card. And so I was familiar with the the Family Place and, and what the mission is, uh, was of the organization. But uh, in 2007, I was asked to chair Palm Night because I'd been to uh, several Palm Night events, which was one of their fundraising events. And so I agreed to do it, but I really wanted to do a deep dive into the organization. So I visited the safe campus and the offices. And after I finished it, the visited the safe campus, I was just blown away by the organization and um, what they do to serve the victims of family violence. So I guess 2007 was my initial really big foray into um, the family place. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know that, you know, eventually you and um, Kenny Goss, um, your brother-in-law, mm-hmm. eventually wound up co-chairing um, an event that they actually um, started after your initial, you know, initial foray into it because it's the 10th anniversary and that is Reunite. So, Reunite. yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, before we hop into that, tell us what makes you passionate about the family place and why that organization speaks to you. Um, I think it's a well-run organization. Um, it's the largest domestic violence or family violence agency in Dallas, um, Texas, actually, and probably one of the largest in the nation. Um, it's sad that we have to have this organization. Um, it's unfortunate, but um, we do. And I think that it's well-run. Um, the organization also, the team really works around um, their clients. I guess. So they they really work to solve the needs of their clients and it's constantly evolving. Um, they develop programs to meet the needs of the clients as, as they change. And so for instance, they have a 24 hour hotline. They've got um, batterers in, intervention. Um, they service men now, which um, in the past, it was strictly for women and children. Um, they have a safe campus where it's an emergency shelter and the women and children um, they keep the, the shelter separated. So the men, they have a, a separate shelter, but the women and children go to the shelter. They have uh, medical um, providers, dental education. They have daycare for the children. And then they try to help the women get back into society, so to speak, because usually they're you know, in a different city or definitely a different location from where their spouse or, or partner was. 
So that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I guess I had never thought about it that way before that often a lot of times people will come into a community, say Dallas, and really not know mm -hmm. a soul. They're really doing it to escape, you know, to really to escape a really bad situation. So really the family place is almost in a way for those people coming in from out of town. It's almost like a way of giving them a safe space and knowing that the community of North Texas can be a safe city and a safe community for them and giving Absolutely. them the resources and the tools to just get their lives put back together. Absolutely. It provides comfort and obviously shelter. So, um, and it does help because a lot of times these people are coming in with literally the shirts on their back. So they have, they provide, you know, medical diapers, clothing and food for the, the victims and the clients as we call them. Wow. That's incredible. Now, you know, I talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the show and um, you've, you know, you've supported so many different types of organizations. That's why I really admire you and the work that you do in supporting nonprofits. Thanks. What is something that these organizations that you have supported over the years have in common? I don't, I think that they have to be well-run organizations, but the cause has to speak to me um, and I have to either have a professional or um, possibly a personal um, a connection with it. Well, obviously, the art charities because of, of the my profession in the art world as the foundation and now working with Phillips and then on a personal level, um, uh, just you know, UNICEF and the family place and and uh, most recently exposed, which was um, for melanoma and skin cancer, which yes. I, I had a recent um Several years ago, I had myself battled cancer. And so thankfully, I'm on the other side. And, but I wanted to give back. So congratulations thanks. on congratulations <laughs> on beating that. And, you know, melanoma is a scary thing. And, you know, I, you know, thankfully, mine was benign, but I've had two removed in the last three or four years myself. And that's a it's, it's a scary proposition to do that. So, you it know, is. it's the emotional tie and connection. I'm glad you brought that up. It is so mm -hmm. important for um for people, when they are engaging people, you know, such as yourself or other mm -hmm. leaders in the community, that it's important that they find the emotional tie because, you know, there are so many, so many wonderful, worthy nonprofits out there. But and you know this, Joyce, you're one person. So there are only so many organizations that you can, you know, you can positively impact just because you're one person and time is a finite, mm -hmm. you know, is a finite thing. So I'm really glad that you brought you brought that, you know, brought that thing up. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about exposed a little bit, because one thing that I really, when I, you know, heard, heard that you were doing this event was you were co-chairing it with your daughter. And I love, one thing I love more than anything else is when I see multiple generations engaging in a cause and, you know, you bringing your daughter in, you know, really it's just a wonderful thing. So one, tell me, you know, what it was like to, you know, do that. But then secondly, also, you know, tell us the importance and kind of how you taught your children the importance of giving back. Well, first of all, it was really fun to chair an event with my daughter. When I first approached her, she said, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And I said, you can do it. And I think actually it worked out great because it, as a mother and a daughter team, we brought a unique perspective to the event, obviously, but it also we had different um, age groups coming in. So we had obviously her friends and, and um, acquaintances, but then also my generation as well. So I think it um, expands the reach of the event and attracts more donors and volunteers. Um, and I think it's kind of a, a positive role model for her age group. 
because not as many women, younger women, their age are cheering events, but I think it um, was an impetus, hopefully for other women her age to start cheering, hopefully co-cheering with their mothers or sisters or other family members. Um, but I think it's important. I started teaching grid and early age. It's important to give back. Um, and it's great to, to start at an early age. I mean, children can do trick or treat for UNICEF or do a lemonade stand and, and donate that money to an organization or can food drive for the food bank. But I think giving back at an early age, it teaches kids to use what they have uh, to help others who are less fortunate. And you don't have to have a lot of money. Um, you can give your time, you can give your energy or whatever resources that you can afford to give. Um, and I always tell Greer about this quote, and I, it's from Tony Robbins, but it says, giving is living. And I think that that's so true. I think it's so true. It just, you know, not only makes you feel good, but you're helping your fellow man. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up something in that statement and you were talking about you don't necessarily have to have a lot of money to give. And one thing I've touched upon in you know in previous episodes of this is that there's really two important types of members within a nonprofit organization. And to me, both are equally important. One is yes. obviously financial capital is important, but secondly, human capital is just as important because, you know, there are people who they may not have a lot of money, but they're extremely well connected in a particular space. Or they may, you know, understand or know where all the new places to maybe host an event are. So it's really important to have, you know, a really well-balanced and well-rounded, you know, you know, group of people behind any nonprofit, like you had talked about, that's well-run, you know, multiple perspectives is obvious, is really important. It's very important. It's very important. And you want to have a diverse group of people because it expands your network. So... <laughs> It absolutely does. And that's, you know, that's really, that's really what the beauty of that is. And, you know, when you do have a diverse network, you just, you're able to learn more. And I think that helps you in so many ways outside of the realm that you may know that person. And that's kind of the, the beauty of what you do is you really, because you've done so many different genres of nonprofits, you're able to take something that you may have learned in one genre, say with UNICEF, and you can apply mm -hmm. it to say, you know, reunite or apply it to any art thing that you've, you've shared along the way, whether it's um, redefined. I know you've been heavily involved with two by two over the years. Mm -hmm. And it really, what's always fun with that is, is that it gives that element of unexpectedness because you've got so much, you know, so many different lanes to draw from, with, whether it's the challenges of raising in a specific genre, or it's, um, just what makes, you know, a, you know, a donor resonate with a particular, a particular genre. Right, right. I totally agree. Um, I think that, well, I just agree with you. I think you're 100% <laughs> correct. <laughs> I can't really add anymore because you're right. <laughs> well, you know, wh one thing I do want to do, you know, in talking with Exposed a little bit is what I like is, and was this, may I ask, was this the first thing that Greer has ever chaired or co-chaired? Uh, yes, other than events in school, and she was, I think, a social chair uh, for her sorority. At, at, well, I guess at, at her sorority at UVA, she did organizations or did uh, smaller events. So I guess she did chair those events in school. Oh, fantastic! But so she, first major event, I would okay. say. Okay, so she had a foundation, you know, which, which mm -hmm. was re, you know, which was really good and which is really important. Is you know, she she'd done it on some level before. But what I liked about the event that you all did was, you know, a fashion show was a big component of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, especially if someone is kind of doing something for the first time, 
it's to me, I have always found if you, I don't want to say ease them in, but you do something that's maybe a little less formal in terms right. of, you know, you're not anchored at a seat the whole time. A lot of it's about socializing mm -hmm. and all that. Um, and, you know, it, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, Expose and kind of, you know, how the whole fashion collaboration came, because you had a lot of really big, you know, big vendors, you know, within the Dallas area and beyond that were a part of it. Well, we were very lucky and the co-founder of Expose was Suzanne Warner, who worked for Stanley Korshak for many years. And so she kind of, um, along with Brett McKinney, um, kind of had the, the fashion section of it corralled, so to speak. Um, 4510 also helped us this year, which we were very, very um, thankful for. But um, they knew a lot of people in the fashion industry and a lot of the vendors and and uh, obviously retailers. So they corralled the um, the fashion. But on the uh, the food side, it was a little bit fun because we didn't have seated uh, a seated formal dinner. We had cocktail tables and we had a few, you know, seated tables, but people kind of walked around to food stations and it was fun because they got to socialize and different restaurants from Dallas um, participated and had different types of food and obviously bars. And so people were able to socialize as they went from food station to food station and, and Greer's generation, I should say, the younger the younger people um, had fun <laughs> because they got to, to kind of skirt around the event and they didn't have to sit still all night. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's definitely important as, you know, it's, it, it's funny because after you've done events for a while, you know, it's, yes, sitting down is, is kind of, it, it's nice to be able to kind of take, take a breather and take a breath. But when you're kind of new to it, there's just so much to absorb and mm -hmm. there's so much to take in, you know, and I'm sure with Greer in particular, she was probably with, with an event of that scale, she was probably, you know, I'm sure she probably learned a lot and can apply it to anything she does in the future, not just, right. you know, in the nonprofit world, but professionally and personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, it was that was kind of a good initial event for her. And it was a fun event. And so we did well, thankfully. And so check well, that off I, the list. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that's great. And, you know, one thing is, you know, with that, it kind of ties upon into a theme, you know, that you know, with family place and the reunite and you had shared it. In a very early year, I don't remember if it was year one or year two, but you had shared it very early on. And, you know, first I first became aware of it um, through you and your long term or long standing relationship with my husband. You know, you guys <laughs> have known each other for a minute or two. Um, and <laughs> and that was really kind of the first time I really kind of got to know you. And, you know, just to mm -hmm. see you are able to benefit so many different nonprofits. And, but I love that you take, I don't want to say take a risk, but you're willing to put a stamp on something and kind of start a, a, a new type of concept or start a new type of event and let it grow and, you know, and let it grow and thrive over the years. Like you're still involved, but you don't have to be like with some organizations, some people chair the event every single year. So, right. you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, when Reunite, you know, what first got you, you know, how you first wanted to plan conceptually Reunite and kind of what you think of, you know, how it's grown and blossomed and succeeded to today. Well, we had to, to create Reunite and that really goes back to Paige Flink, who was the, the um, executive director at the time. Uh, she recently retired, but um, we had Palm Night for years, and I think it went for 15 years, but I'm not for sure. Um, don't quote me on that. But then the Palm closed in Dallas, and so we could not have Palm Night without the Palm. So the family place had to step back a little bit and kind of rethink. So we tried a couple of events. I was on the board at the time, but we tried several different events that we thought were fun, but didn't quite 
have the turnout that we wanted. And so I cannot take credit for Reunite, but Paige and, and a couple of other people put their heads together and decided, you know, the Palm Night was so much fun. So let's recreate the Palm Night, but we'll have to do it at a different location. So um, that's how Reunite was formed. So it has Palm Night in it, but we reunited again, having a, a, a specific, a dinner, a really nice dinner, um, some, you know, live auction items and just great food and wine and, and fun and raise much needed funds for the family place. Um, so I Absolutely. Well, and I was going to say one thing about Reunite, too, is that it's been in several different locations over the years. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you took that. It was like you don't want to repeat the same thing that happened by having it at the Palm every year. And right. you, you've had it at so many. Like, I believe the year <laughs> the I believe the year you and um Kenny co-chaired, I believe, wasn't it at um it was at a car museum, wasn't it? If I'm not it mistaken, was, it was at the Haas uh, Motorcycle Museum. So, That's yes, it right. was <laughs> We had a bunch of, uh, he had a great collection. Um, and so, yes, it was in the middle of a lot of cool motorcycles, which a lot of the men love that. So that was great. And women too. But it just had a whole different theme uh, for the evening. So it was a little different. But it was fun. <laughs> but in a fun way. And that's, you know, and you know this by going to a lot of different things is, you know, nonprofits are really, I mean, a lot of them since we've come out of COVID that a lot of them have really stepped up their game and, you know, to yeah. be inventive is really, is really an, you know, important and reunite with the family place is one of the first that I can kind of think of that was continually moving things mm -hmm. from venue to venue. And now you see a whole bunch of different organizations kind of doing the same thing in unison. And it was yeah. always interesting because it was like every year I got the release, it was like, okay, where's it going to be this year? Because I knew there was going to be some new spin to it that just, that wasn't there before. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. I think that we, um, the family place and the reunite team, so to speak, um, we wanted to try to do something fresh every year and have a great menu and great food and wine, but you have to keep it fresh because people get tired and bored with the same old thing. And so that was one of uh, our mantras, I guess, to keep it fresh and fun every year. And you all definitely have. Now, you know, one other element that I want to talk about with um, events that you've chaired in the past, in the past, including with the family place and including with Exposed as well, is the whole idea of host committees. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons we do this podcast is for people who are just either starting out or our experience and are looking for kind of new and innovative ways to fundraise. And what I love is, is that, you know, you, you're involved in two events this spring, you know, different types of formats, different types of mm -hmm. settings, but the one thing they had in common was they both had host committees. So right. tell us how having a strong, you know, one, explain a little bit to our audience what a host committee is, but two, okay. you know, what, you know, tell us how it's really essential in creating a good fundraising event. Well, uh, host committees um, are important. Uh, they um, are really essential, I think, for a successful gala or an event. And I think you have two types of host committees. You have a working host committee, and then uh, I say the non-working, but really it's a committee that lends their name. But your, your working host committee, um, you want to compile a group of people that um, perhaps from different careers or professions um, that can use their expertise to, to help, you know, fundraise for the event. Well, let's go to fundraise. So you may want people that have a vast network that 
for sponsorships or selling tickets or obtaining auction items. You may want to get people from a, a particular background, maybe a PR background or a marketing background or even a event planning background. If you don't have the funds, the organization doesn't have enough funds to hire an event planner and you've just got your team. Um, so I think having expertise from people in certain fields is important. And on your working host committee, you want to make sure that the people that you ask to join are really up to the task and they're willing to work and, and donate their time and resources to make sure that the event is successful. Um, but for both committees, you want to make sure too. when I said the non-working host committee, it's usually people. And sometimes I'm on the uh, events on the host committee, which they just simply ask you to lend their name and, of course, support the event financially. And the um, I think when you are establishing your host committee, it's important to establish the get the right group of names. You want to make sure that you have prominent members of the community um, that lend credibility because it will help establish the event and it makes sure that it's uh, a must attend event. Um, I'm sure you, like everyone else, when they receive an invitation, because there are so many events, you kind of peruse the host committee to see who's on the committee and, and say, oh, okay, well, they're supporting this. That probably is a good, you know, charity support if somebody's not familiar with the organization. So I think it's vital. Absolutely. And th there have been many events that I've looped into in over the years that I've never heard of just because I'll, I'll, I'll browse through it and I'll be like, oh, this, this person I've known for 15 years is on this committee. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go find out a little bit more about that yeah. to figure out why. And, you know, and uh, an event doesn't have to raise a million billion dollars to be impactful or important. And I loved you of any guest I've had, you gave the most perfect explanation of you know, basically financial versus human capital. And that was through the committees where you mm -hmm. have the working and the non-working and both are important. And you really laid out so well, the working part is important, but the name part is important as well to create that balance and that ensemble of people in a room. Because the, you know, the, the myth about galas a lot of the time is it's everyone's really, really wealthy and they're in the same space. And those don't make for fun events. You really have to have a mix of fusion and different energies. That really is what makes an event memorable and what makes it special. Because, you know, you can you see yourself in the mirror every morning, so you don't necessarily want to see a bunch <laughs> of mirror images of you, 300 exactly. mirror or 400 mirror images of you when you're at an event. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, it's great to go with your friends, but it's always good to meet new people. And I think in network. And so I think that it's, um, it's, it's a good idea to have a good mix of people from diverse backgrounds. Absolutely. And I have to think with your background, with the different, with just the range of types of organizations that you've been involved with over the years, I am sure that there are people that have come up to you over the years and just, you know, they know you have chaired, you know, one type of event, but they've seen that you do different things. So they're like, okay, you know, Joyce, I want to tell you about so-and-so organization and why, you know, wh why it's important and, you know, why I would want you to kind of be a part of it, whether it's just to attend or whatever it is. So, right. yeah. Yeah. You study it, but, you know, again, you look to see who's involved with it, especially if it's people, you know, or trust or admire. Absolutely. So, you know, one thing I do want to talk about with you too is, um, is working with high profile individuals. And I know when you and Kenny were co-chairing Redefine, there was mm -hmm. quite a bit of that. You know, you would bring in world world renowned names such as Tracy Emin in for, you know, in for an event. So right. what a piece of advice would you give to an organization look looking to have a high profile person at their event? 
Well, I think first and foremost, whoever you're, if you're honoring a celebrity or you just want them to attend, I think you want to make sure that that celebrity or high profile person will have a positive impact on your event. You want to make sure that um, that celebrity has the same views that are aligned with the organization. Um, I think that's first and foremost. Um, the celebrity's voice is, is um, very influential and it can make an event, but um, you want to make sure that, that they align. I think that's the key. Um, I think that, um, you know, having, I guess my, one of my favorites, but not my favorite, um, a perfect example of that may be Dirk Nowitzki. Um, Dirk is a very kind and generous man. He supports a lot of women and children's charities and educational charities. But you know, when Dirk uh, attends an event that it's probably gonna sell out and you know that people will support it because they trust and admire him. Um, and he is very loyal to the city of Dallas uh, and is very generous. And so if you're lucky enough to have him support your event, you're gonna have a good event. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say, Joyce, is that there is a mix of you basically are mixing um, human and financial capital like that. That is, you know, a hybrid where you're really fusing those different things together. And, you know, it's the, the one the the one thing I think makes for a great event is when you have multidimensional people that are able to really understand the importance and the value of both. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not about putting the people who contribute the least in like the back corners of the room. You yeah. got to mix them in with everybody else, because if you don't, it's going to be a really it's going to be boring and you don't yeah. want your event to be boring. No, no, you definitely want it to be fun and exciting because you want people to, um, you, number one, learn more about the organization, but but have a great time. So they'll come back next year. Absolutely. And that's the whole the most important thing is, you know, Becca mm -hmm. Case and Thrash always did this is, you know, the good guests always get invited back and the, and the ones who aren't good guests, <laughs> they go elsewhere. So Exactly. <laughs> their, their invitation gets lost in the mail. Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> you know, let, let's talk for a second about this year's reunite. So what are you, you know, first, you know, explain what an honorary chair, you know, the role of an honorary chair and second, what you're looking forward to about this year's reunite. Um, well, I assume that the role of the honorary chair is to, um, name recognition, but also just to kind of help bring in friends and acquaintances from years past to, to attend the event. So that's what I've been doing is calling up friends and uh, trying to get them to support the event. Um, uh, it is the 10th anniversary. I think you mentioned that earlier of Reunite. So we're very excited about that. I think um, uh, there's a chef, Junior Borges, is uh, going to be um, curating the menu at the event. So that'll be fun because he's an excellent chef and his restaurants are great. Um, it's the event's going to be at the new Petroleum Club. It's fairly new, I think six months maybe. Um, it's a beautiful venue. Um, it's fabulous views of the city of Dallas, and um, of course we'll have a lot of fabulous food and wine and fun and some great auction items. So I think it's going to be a beautiful evening, and I'm super excited about it. Well, we're excited for you. You know, we're excited for you with it. And we know it will be. We know it will be an absolute success. So, you know, before we go, I do want to ask you just because you've chaired so many different types of things and you've worked with large budgets and you've worked with small budgets. Mm -hmm. You know, tell us what your. You know, what's an what's an item or what's a thing that someone can really do that's doesn't cost a lot of money, but it will help really make an impact for their event. Oh gosh, well, I don't know about costing a lot of money, but I think that. Um... 
you want people to remember your event. So I think food and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just I hate sure. to say it, but but making sure people have a good time and and um you know a lot of times you can you, we have some very generous retailers and sometimes you can get your alcohol donated or your food donated or um but I think making sure that people whatever your budget um have a good time and uh they want to come back and let's be honest when the alcohol is flowing your donors get a little more generous when the auction runs around <laughs> <laughs> they Sad do but true. <laughs> they do and if you get and if you get a um if you get a tribute video or a testimonial video during the program that makes them Ooh. cry then you've really got them you really got them right <laughs> then it just right. it, then everything's really flowing because the tears exactly. are flowing the alcohol is flowing and all yeah. those things are really an important you know an important part of an event success or a but successful I love event your, I, I love that refreshing take on it because at the end of the day a good event is about two things. It's about good food. It's about mm -hmm. good people. And a third thing, it's about good company. So it's, right. and you are the embodiment of all three of those things. And I think that's one of the reasons why over the years, so many different types of organizations, regardless of the genre, have, you know, wanted, wanted to work with you and receive your support. And, you know, I'm just so excited that you get to honorary chair and you got to do something with your, you know, your chair, something with your daughter, this year. So this spring was really, there was a lot of full circle things happening for you. A lot of full circle, very fun. And, and you know, uh, exposed uh, and the, the aim at Melanoma Foundation is relatively new to me, but I think the work they do is important. And of course, Family Place is near and dear to my heart because I've been involved so long. So I'm super excited about and very honored to be considered um, the honorary chair. I felt a little old, but <laughs> <laughs> you are, there are many things, Joyce, you wonderful things that you are, you are young at heart and you are youthful, young and ageless as far as I'm concerned. So oh, I really you. appreciate, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It was an absolute blast to chat with you. Thanks, Rob. I had fun. <laughs> Me too. It's great. The Thanks so much. Thanks so much. And the 10th annual Reunite for the Family Place is on May 18th, 2023 at the Dallas Petroleum Club in Dallas, Texas. For more information, visit the fam visit familyplace.org. And this is Rob Giardinelli signing off on Fun and Fundraising, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.